I just got a very wonderful shipment of goodies from the folks at Reese's. And let me tell you something. These people remain the absolute worldwide leaders in bringing together chocolate and peanut butter. Of course, we know that peanut butter cups remain transcendent. But have you tried the Reese's sticks? Their wafers with peanut butter in between each wafer, all coated in chocolate. I mean, the combination of sweet chocolate and salty peanut butter just brings people joy, and the folks at Reese's do it better than anyone. So shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you, found wherever candy is sold. This week, a commissioner at the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission called gas stoves a hidden hazard and said the agency is looking into ways to regulate them. The commissioner said, quote, any option is on the table. Products that can't be made safe can be banned. That word banned made big news. This morning, the headlines teasing a potential federal ban on gas stoves due to health concerns triggering a backlash. It's another example of government reaching into every facet of our lives. Now they're coming for our stoves. When we say uh, don't tread on Florida or let us alone, uh, we mean that, including on your gas stoves. Republican politicians sounded off on Twitter. Representative Jim Jordan tweeted, God, guns, gas stoves. Representative Ronnie Jackson tweeted, I'll never give up my gas stove. If the maniacs in the White House come for my stove, they can pry it from my cold, dead hands. Which, like, if you can hold your gas stove in your hands, are you sure it's not a toy stove? Anyway, the White House had to get involved, stating that President Biden does not support banning gas stoves and that the Consumer Product Safety Commission is not banning gas stoves. As it happens, we did an episode of The Sporkful on the issue of gas stoves back in 2021. We took a look at how gas became the standard in so much of the country, as well as how these stoves affect the environment and your health. We also dug into the battles over regulating natural gas today, and I tested an alternative that's getting more popular, induction. We thought, given all the recent news, this is a good time to replay that episode for you. Enjoy. I think this was the first... Instagram post I saw when I saw this, I just knew I had to report this story. This was incredible. This is Rebecca Lieber. She's a reporter at Vox who covers climate change. About a year ago, she got a tip. Someone told her to look into these Instagram influencers. But at first glance, their posts seemed pretty ordinary. There's a woman cooking in her kitchen, posing almost artfully with her spatula, looking off camera uh, over her shoulder dressed pretty fashionably, <laughs> head to toe, a cold shoulder top, dyed hair, bandana tied in a high ponytail. These are sponsored posts, which means the influencers are being paid to make them. Again, not so unusual. But here's the twist. These people aren't being paid by a home design company or a kitchenware brand. The posts come with captions like, Did you know natural gas provides better cooking results? Pretty nifty, huh? Hashtag sponsored, hashtag cooking with gas, hashtag home cooking, and then she tags American Gas Association. The American Gas Association is a trade group that represents 200 gas companies around the country. Rebecca says over the last few years, the AGA and other big industry groups have been on a media blitz. She found presentations from PR firms showing that their campaigns are specifically targeted at millennials. There are these sponsored posts on Instagram, slick websites, even a YouTube channel with cooking demos, like how to heat up a tortilla. You're going to start with the natural gas flame. Turn it on. Now, because the flames actually come up, you are able to heat and cook your tortilla 
So what's going on here? Why do natural gas companies care so much about how you heat your tortilla? So this isn't just about some dumb ad campaign or Instagram influencers. The gas stove campaigns actually fit into this much broader fight we're having over climate change. This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. And this week, I have Sporkful producer Andres O'Hara with me. He's been looking into how the gas stove became part of this larger story about climate change. He's here to tell us all about it. Hey, Andres. Hey, Dan. Now, later in the show, we're going to go into the kitchen and experiment with a competitor to the gas stove that's not well known here in the U.S. But let's begin at the beginning. Why do gas companies care so much about getting millennials to love their gas stoves? So, Dan, this is actually the latest battle in a long war between gas and electric companies. They've been competing for over a century to power your whole home, your heat, your hot water, and other major appliances. And to do that, they've targeted the kitchen. In the 1950s, GE and Westinghouse, supported by electric utilities across the country, they created a multi-million dollar ad campaign that was in part about the wonders of the electric stove. And it featured a certain charismatic actor and future president. Oh, that's hot. Oh, it's not. Oh, but delicious. It's Ronald Reagan. Yeah, it is. The egg souffle. That's something we haven't had in quite a while. Oh, it's pretty tricky to make. But now, with the steady heat and the exact timing of my new automatic skillet, well, even a souffle is easy and safe to make. Well, that's part of living better electrically. But gas companies recruited their own stars. Oh. You know the phrase, now you're cooking with gas? Yes. The gas company, they didn't invent it, but they were pushing it hard. They recruited comedians like Jack Benny and Bob Hope. These were big radio stars in the 1940s. And they got them to use this phrase, now you're cooking with gas, in their ads. So you're, because I say that all the time, like in regular conversation, which probably makes me sound like an old, but are, so are you telling me that I've been repeating a marketing slogan all these years? I hate to say it, but yes, you are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the gas companies also turn to TV, and they wanted to target housewives just like the electric companies. So this is one ad from the 1950s. It was sponsored by the American Gas Association. I just love the convenience and modern styling of this built-in gas range. Hey, Alice, aren't you going to light the oven? I don't have to. It's completely automatic. You'll never guess what this sauce is for the baked ham. Equal parts of grape jelly and light mustard, blended and simmered. And this burner does it without scorching. Grape jelly and mustard. Uh, I am concerned yet intrigued. Yeah, Dan, honestly, that, that kind of sounds disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we know, Andres, you'll need a gas stove if you don't want to scorch it. No, no, you definitely need a gas stove for a sauce as, you know, delicate and refined as that. Right. <laughs> but of course, you know, these ads, they need to change with the times. Yeah. In the 1980s, they made music videos. Music videos were all the rage then. Specifically, there's this one ad I want to show you. It's these young kids, and they're rapping while they're wearing their chef's hat. Here, Dan, let me show you the video. Cooking with gas. gas. Cooking with gas. gas. Wow. We all cook better when we're cooking with gas. Gas is so hot, it's not on when it's off. It's the only way to cook. That's what I was taught. Now, here's a fact you should have. I love that they're just, like, in this, like, weird, white, like, matrix-like space. <laughs> and there's just, like, a, a gas stove, like, floating in the middle of the room. Where, like, they're, like, they're in this other world where all the gas stove is all that matters. It's like very David Lynch. All right, Andre, so here we are today after 70-plus years of ad battles between gas and electric. Who's winning? 
the majority of the country actually cooks on electric burners. Really? Yeah, they do. But gas rules the cities. Okay. So in places like Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, it's over 70% gas stoves. Even though gas stoves aren't winning in terms of numbers, I feel like they've won the culture. You know, people are obsessed with cooking the way that chefs cook. They want the best knives. They want the best pans. They want the best everything. And they want to be cooking on gas. Dan, like, when was the last time you saw an electric stove on Top Chef or Chopped? Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a chef on television using an electric stove. And I have always had gas stoves. I'm partial to gas stoves. I like being able to see the flame so I know exactly how high it is and adjusting it. I just think that cooking is so much about feel. And I have adapted my ways to the gas stove. I'm comfortable with it. I have positive associations with it. I like the clicking sound when you turn it on. I like gas. Yeah, Dan, I completely agree. I grew up in Florida where everyone had an electric stove. And for me, it was one of these like metal coil electric stoves. It was not responsive at all. Like my grandmother's house. Uh Uh-huh, that's right. And you know, you turn it up to nine and it's hot. You turn it back down to three, it's still hot. It's just not a great way to cook. And when I started cooking on gas stoves, truly I fell in love in cooking thanks to my gas stove. Wow, that's that's quite a bond you and the gas stove have, Andres. I actually do love my gas stove. <laughs> okay. The thing is that the gas industry, it knows that people like you and me, that we love our gas stoves. Here again is reporter Rebecca Lieber, who we heard at the start of the show. The industry is fighting for its life to ensure that homes continue to rely on gas and new homes continue to have those gas lines. And it sees the gas stove as its best option for ensuring that future. What does she mean the gas stove is the industry's best option for the future? Yeah, so the gas companies think that they're under threat. Cities throughout California, New York City, and even Washington State, they're all looking to either limit or just completely ban the use of natural gas in new buildings. And even though right now some electricity is still pretty dirty, it comes with its own environmental issues, as we build more and more solar panels and wind turbines and things like that, the electric grid, it's going to be supplied by renewable energy and not fossil fuels. Got it. So so buildings that are built electric can be converted to be better in the future, but a building that runs on gas is probably always going to have to run on gas. Right, exactly. And that's what this legislation is all about. And under these new proposals, the gas companies, they're seeing themselves cut out of the future unless they can convince cities and the voters in those cities to keep natural gas lines for new buildings. Got it. And that's why they're doing this campaign on Instagram? Yeah, exactly. Here's Rebecca again. The industry has identified millennials and millennial women as a really key voting demographic that's just growing. Instagram is a really smart way to reach them, especially when they can reach them through someone like an influencer that you connect with online, then you might trust their opinion. Dan, I should mention that I reached out to the American Gas Association, and they said in a statement, hashtag cooking with gas is not part of a lobbying effort, and the American Gas Association does not lobby at the state and local level. And that's true. They're not saying vote for this candidate or vote against this proposal. They're saying fall in love with your gas stove. Because nobody cares if their heat or hot water is gas or electric. Right. One of the things I learned when I became a homeowner, Andres, is that your heat and your hot water also are gas or electric. It's not just about your stove. But the truth is, like, I didn't really care. I didn't even ask this question when we bought the house. I didn't find out until later that it's all gas. But I cared very much about having a gas stove. And so you're telling me this is what the gas companies have realized. This is why they're focusing their PR campaigns on stoves. It's because people like you and I care much more about gas stoves than gas anything else. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got it. Got it. But wait, ha- how about a compromise, Andres? Can't we all get along? Look, switch <laughs> over all the heat and the hot water, everything but the stoves to electric. That would drastically reduce gas use without cramping my style in the kitchen. I hear you, Dan, but there's a bigger problem than that. And it's that to get you that natural gas into your home and into your stove, it requires a network of pipes. Pipes that run from inside your home, underground, throughout your community, and all across the country. And those pipes, they're a major source of methane pollution. In fact, over the past few years, scientists have learned that methane leaks are actually much worse than previously known. And it means that our natural gas system does more damage to the environment than we previously thought. Gotcha. And then, Dan, there's actually this other issue. Decades of research about indoor air quality has shown that using a gas stove could be bad for our health. Brady Seals is a manager at the Rocky Mountain Institute, a nonprofit that advocates for clean energy. She reviewed more than 100 studies about air pollution, gas stoves, and public health, including one in the International Journal of Epidemiology. And what they found is that children who live in a home with a gas stove have an increased risk of 42% of experiencing asthma symptoms than kids who live in a home with an electric stove. Hold on, Andres. This makes me skeptical. I feel like this could be correlation and not causation. I mean, we heard that that people with gas stoves tend to live in cities. There's also a lot of more air pollution in cities where there are buses and traffic. Maybe that's why those kids are more likely to have asthma. Maybe maybe people with gas stoves tend to have a higher income and access to better medical care so their kids get diagnosed with asthma more. Maybe they're lower income, so they also live in areas near bus depots, so they have asthma more. I mean, there's a million other factors that could be contributing to this difference. Yeah, Dan, I understand what you're saying, but according to Brady, you need to look at it in terms of risk. Burning natural gas in your home, which is what you're doing every time you turn on the stove, it increases the level of several pollutants, including nitrogen dioxide. That's NO2. People who are exposed to high levels of NO2, they have an increased risk of respiratory illness. It can trigger asthma attacks or make it more likely for children to develop asthma. Okay, so high levels of nitrogen dioxide, bad. But when you use the average gas stove in the average way, are you actually exposing yourself to high levels of nitrogen dioxide? Yeah, you are. According to the EPA, one of the primary sources of indoor NO2 is gas stoves. And breathing high concentrations of NO2, it can aggravate respiratory diseases. It can also contribute to the development of asthma long-term. Studies on gas stoves, like at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory, they've shown that gas stoves can raise the concentrations of NO2 to levels that would be illegal outdoors. But the thing is, the EPA only regulates outdoor air pollution. They don't set indoor air quality standards. They've never set a standard of how much NO2 is too much indoors. And that's a point that the American Gas Association likes to make. Public health agencies like the EPA, they don't set regulations on gas stoves. The American Gas Association says that any pollutants that come from cooking are just part of the cooking process itself. It's not solely based on the stove. But there is one thing that people on both sides of the debate can agree on. What's that? Venting. Dan, do you use your exhaust fan when you cook? Once in a while, yes. Probably not as much as I should. (laughs) Yeah, Brady Seals says she hears that response all the time. You know, bathrooms are required to be exhausted outdoors in almost every state. But gas stove hoods or any stove hood is not. We know from studies that maybe 20% or less people use the range hood. And, you know, the number one reason is people don't think they need it. Yeah, Dan, that's why I don't use my range hood. It's loud, it's annoying, and I'm kind of convinced it doesn't do anything. I looked at it and I was right. My exhaust fan doesn't vent to the outside world. It just recirculates air. So these hoods only really work if they vent all the fumes and the smoke outside. 
so to be clear, if your vent sends fumes out of your home and you actually use it, then it can help. Yeah, it has been shown to lower the level of those pollutants inside your home. All right, Andre, so what are my options? Because I don't want an electric stove and I need some way to cook my food. But this better not be some long game you're playing to get me on a raw diet. All, All right, right, and if you don't want to buy my raw diet cookbook, then that's okay. <laughs> and if you know, you if you want to be a stalwart and cook your food, I, yes, I insist. Yeah. So, what what what's my alternative here? The alternative, it's a technology that some product reviewers rank as better and safer than cooking with gas. Okay. Right now, it's pretty rare in the U.S., but it is widespread across Europe and Asia. All right. Instead of cooking with gas, Dan, you're cooking with magnets. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you all about that, and we're going to test it out. All right, I'm ready. Stick around. Hope you're hungry, because it's time for some ads. In the Pashman household, we're already big fans of Tillamook shredded cheese. In fact, I used it in developing many recipes in my cookbook. And now I'm getting into their ice cream. Tillamook ice cream is made with more cream, so you get smooth and dreamy scoops each time. You may not realize it, but this is why a lot of the store-bought ice cream doesn't taste the same as what you get in, like, in an ice cream parlor. But with Tillamook, they don't skimp on the cream. These people know dairy, okay? Tillamook makes a great, rich vanilla ice cream with real crushed vanilla bean seeds. They have an Oregon strawberry, sweet strawberry ice cream with ripe Oregon strawberry pieces. The one that I really love is the mudslide flavor, a smooth chocolate ice cream with a ribbon of rich fudge and chocolatey chips. You want to move the spoon around to get fudgy and chocolatey chips and the ice cream all in the same bite each time, and it's just so, so nice. And like I said, I just trust Tillamook when it comes to dairy. They make over 200 different dairy products, and the brand is farmer-owned and led by dairy experts. Find Tillamook ice cream near you at Tillamook.com. That's T-I-L-L-A-M-O-O-K.com. The weather's warming up. Have you nailed down your summer travel plans yet? I can tell you, we're working on ours and things are booking up, which is why you should be thinking about Norwegian Cruise Line. They have been raising the standards of cruising for more than 55 years. Let me tell you, when you cruise with NCL, you get award-winning specialty restaurants, immersive entertainment, and the most thrilling experiences at sea. Now, look, one of the great things about cruises in general is that you can visit and explore all kinds of different destinations, all with the ease of unpacking your bag just once. But Norwegian Cruise Line, they take cruising to another level and they take food to another level. With no set dining and entertainment times and no formal dress codes, you have the flexibility to design your ideal vacation. They have an incredible variety of truly authentic and fresh dining and bar experiences complemented by exceptional service. Listen to this. There are up to eight complimentary and nine specialty dining options per ship and up to 23 bar and lounge options. Come see why NCL's guest first philosophy means exceptional service and unforgettable memories. Book your next vacation at ncl.com. I enjoy a nice glass of wine, but I don't pretend to be an expert in wine. I usually just want a wine that's high quality, delicious, and not too expensive. And to me, that's Bogle Family Vineyards. And here's the thing about Bogle. This is a third-generation family-owned winery from California that makes exceptional wines for about 10 bucks a bottle. Bogle wines consistently earn best buy designations and high ratings from wine enthusiasts. And let me tell you something. The folks at Wine Enthusiast, they drink a lot of wine. They drink a lot of fancy, expensive wine. And yet they still keep giving great ratings to Bogle. 
And Bogle Vineyard says so many different kinds of wine, whatever your mood, whatever you're eating, there's a wine for you. They got this great Pinot Grigio that's crisp and fruity, goes well with spicy foods, with fish. They have a classic Chardonnay that's balanced, amazing with a pork tenderloin or butter chicken. I like to take that Chardonnay and do what Jacques Pepin taught me, a couple of ice cubes in your glass of Bogle. If Jacques Pepin says it's okay, then it's okay. And there's the Bogle Pinot Noir, refined and elegant with bright fruit and about as food friendly as a red wine can be. You're not going to believe it's only $10. Neither will your friends if you tell them. So pick up a few bottles of Bogle wherever you buy your favorite wines. Please drink responsibly. Are you ready for warmer weather? I know I am. But is your wardrobe ready? I just stocked up on spring and summer clothing at Quince. And let me tell you something. I feel great about everything I got. I got a couple of short sleeve button down shirts, polo shirt, some shorts. Everything feels great. It's super high quality. And I can't believe how much stuff I got at a reasonable price. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Whatever you need for the spring and summer, Quince has your back. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash sporkful for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sporkful to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash sporkful. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman, and I want you to get ready because next week on the show, we have an all-new installment of Mission Impossible. That's right. We got updates on Cascatelli and some very big news about other pasta shapes. That's next week. All right. Back to the show. I'm here again with Sporkful producer Andres O'Hara. Hey, Dan. So we've laid out the concerns with gas stoves. Let's talk alternatives. But listen, Andres, I don't want an electric stove. I need something that's responsive. So when I turn the heat up or down, I get quick results. And I need a way to know precisely how hot it is, which I normally do by looking at the flame. So what do you got? Dan, it's called induction. And it's widely used in Asia and across Europe, but it's pretty rare here. Only about 5% of cooking ranges sold in the U.S. are induction. Okay, I've heard of induction. The surface, it's like just flat glass, like a high-end electric stove. But it's not an electric stove, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. But that's part of the reason why it hasn't taken off. Too many people think it's just like electric, and they don't see a difference. But the technology, it's totally different. Okay, how does it work? So underneath this glass surface, there's this electromagnetic coil of cables. It's usually copper. And when you turn it on, there's an electric current that runs through the coils, and it creates this magnetic field right above it. So this magnetic field, it induces. Get it, down. It induces. That's the induction part. Got it. That's the induction part. You're getting it already. <laughs> it induces this electric current on the metal part of the pot and pan, and it causes the molecules in this pot or pan to agitate. And that's actually what heats the pot or pan in contact with the coil. That's why induction cooktops will only work on pots and pans with enough iron to generate a magnetic field. So most stainless steel and cast iron will work, but aluminum and copper won't. Okay, well, I did recognize the word induction in what you just said. You lost me at the first use of the word electromagnetic. I'm just going to assume it works with lasers. Dan, I hate to tell you, but there's no lasers. It would sell better if they made it with lasers. <laughs> Dan, I can heat up your food with lasers if you want. <laughs> the thing is, it's completely different than any other type of cooking, because with this one, there's no external source of heat. The heat is coming directly from your pan. 
All right, I, I, I don't think I'm ever going to get it. It sounds like lasers to me. Let's keep moving. <laughs> are these induction stoves any good? Like, what do the product testing experts say? They actually really like it. Consumer Reports loved it. They say it's the fastest cooking technology on the market. The Gear review website, review.com, they did an extensive series on induction and found it not only heats food faster than gas, it can also hold lower temperatures better. Mm, okay. But the thing is, it's not all positive. Wirecutter, you know, the New York Times product review website, they wouldn't recommend induction stoves. They say, and I'm reading a quote here, we have heard consistently over many years that these are not reliable products. Well, that's that hurts for the induction stuff, although I don't care what Wirecutter has to say because they totally screwed me on the outdoor heater that I bought for my wintertime COVID parties. Okay, that Wirecutter review is dead to me. <laughs> I want to see how this works in practice and what it's really like to put it to the test. So a few weeks ago, I met with Chef Francisco Anton. How you doing? Good, good, good. Nice to meet you. He owns a restaurant in Crown Heights. That's my neighborhood in Brooklyn, and it's called La Ñapa. And I went there. They have burgers, tacos, but actually their most popular menu item are the arepas. What's, what's the trick to making a good arepa? You have to knead it. Some people think that it's just a matter of like mixing the water. Uh, you have to work the dough a little bit so you can get a nice uh, consistency. and then. He's worked in restaurants with gas nice, and electric, uh, and he says he prefers gas. But when he went to open his own place, he went with an induction burner. One big reason is that it just saved him money. With gas, you need everything up to code before you can open, and it can take months. When Francisco opened his first restaurant in New York using gas appliances, he was losing something like $20,000 a month in rent, just waiting for inspections so he could open. And by cutting out gas completely, once he is open, he never has to worry about issues with the gas line. That's right. Like a gas leak you know, can shut down a restaurant for days. Exactly. And that's a huge financial hit. And now that he's using induction, he's actually realized that there's a lot of cooking benefits. Um, I work in kitchens that get 110 degrees. So you have to like have your hands in buckets of ice because it gets so hot. So if I'm cooking here, I'm not going to I'm not going to get hot. Right. Because a gas stove is really just heating the air. It's giving heat off in all directions. And some of that heat hits the pot and heats the stuff inside. But a lot of that heat just ends up floating away into your kitchen. Induction, you're saying, only heats the pot, not the air around it. So the kitchen doesn't get as hot. Exactly. Plus, Francisco feels a lot safer in the kitchen cooking on induction. He grabbed this pan off an induction burner to demonstrate. Like this handle in this induction will never go hot. So you can grab it, no problem. Compare that to grabbing a pan in a busy restaurant kitchen that's been heating up on a gas stove. With that situation, you need to have a, a dry rack so you can grab it and not, you know get a tattoo in your hand. An induction stove can get a pan hotter much faster than you're used to, but the heat is only concentrated in the part of the pan that's in contact with the induction stovetop. So that's the bottom, not the handle. But, but uh, Andres, doesn't the flame on a gas stove also serve a purpose? I mean, I can glance from across the kitchen and see where the flame is at. I can feel the heat coming off the burner, and those are cues that help me to know what's happening when I'm cooking. I rely on that. Yeah, Francisco says that this is a challenge at first, but you do get used to it. You develop other cues. But he does need to train his cooks to be more gentle with it. After all, the surface is glass. And it's relatively delicate. Um, so you cannot just get and throw pants in it. Here you have to like place it on the stove instead of just like throwing something in there. All right, Andres, I am intrigued. I'm not sold. 
I'm curious to try it out, but I am not in the market for a new stove. Lucky for you, Dan, you don't actually have to get a new stove. There's now several single burner induction cooktops in the market, and they're mostly under a hundred bucks. You just plug them in and put them on your countertop. The reviews say they're not as powerful as a full induction stovetop, but they are a good gateway to induction. I reached out to Ervo. They make the induction cooktop that Cook's Illustrated recommends, and they sent us one for review. So let's give it a shot. All right, Andres, here I am. I'm in the kitchen. I've got my microphone set up. I got my pots and pans, and I've got this box you sent me. Awesome. That's great. So we're going to do, you know, one of the best things on the internet, which is an unboxing video. So you're going <laughs> to... <laughs> Except without pictures. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So Dan, tell me... Unboxing. Yeah, tell me what you got there. I have a Max Burton digital induction cooktop. Tell me what you think. Um, there's a red light that says on off mm -hmm. power. There's a, a button that just says boil, mm -hmm. which I'm very skeptical of. And then there's a button that says simmer, mm -hmm. which I'm also very skeptical of. When do you cross from a simmer to a boil? Does this machine know? If so, I will be sold. I mean, it, it sounds like you don't know. So, <laughs> I, no, I don't. I spent a lot of a lot of hours pacing my kitchen, right. <laughs> worrying frantically about whether whether the thing on the stove is simmering or boiling. Well, that's, I mean, this could solve all your problems or not. But that's what we're going to find out. Okay. All right. Let's do it. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to test out those buttons that you're so skeptical of, which is the boil and simmer buttons on the induction pan. We're going to boil two cups of water and then we're going to bring them down to a simmer. All right, all right, let me fill yep, these up. Yep. Okay, so you're going to turn on the gas stove to the highest setting. You're going to hit the boil function on the induction burner. Uh, I'm going to put on a timer. All right. And go. Gas burner's on. Induction burner. I hit boil. All right, the induction's got little bubbles going. So does the pan. Are they as big? Oh, the bubbles are getting bigger on the induction. Minute 37. I, th I think the induction just pulled ahead. And there's also um, a little bit of steam coming off the surface of the water on the induction, and the bubbles are getting bigger, and now they're kind of bubbling along the bottom of the pan. Minute 48. The gas is still kind of in, like, vaguely, a little bit opaque, small bubbles gathering on the on the sur on the the bottom of the pan. I would say we're kind of at a simmer. Bubbling bigger. Oh, oh, now it's on the surface. Now they're coming up to the surface. The surface of the water is bubbling, and I'm going to call it, it is boiling. 307 for the induction. Let's see how long it takes to gas. Just keep the induction going. All right, we're, we're almost at the point now. It, it's bubbling more and more on the gas stove, around the edges, but I'm going to hold out for that center yep. boil. Almost there. There's a lot of big bubbles now. The bubbles are getting bigger and bigger. It's really bubbling along the surface. We're almost there. We're almost there. I'm going to call it right now. The gas stove is boiling. 421. So that, that's a, a roughly 33% difference. So right now on this induction cooktop, this water is at a rolling boil. I'm going to hit simmer hit now. simmer. The induction switched to saying 100 degrees Fahrenheit, and I, I set the gas burner to medium low. Okay. Wow. <laughs> the gas stove is still boiling. Mm -hmm. It's still at a boil. Mm -hmm. The induction burner, it came right down. It's now not boiling at all. Like when you think of a simmer, do, does that look like a simmer to you? To me, a simmer is some bubbles. Mm -hmm. So maybe, I don't know. Look, maybe I don't know what simmer means, but <laughs> their simmer is, is 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which I think is too low. I'm putting it at 175, which it, said, it characterizes that as med-low. Still no bubbles here. At medium-low, 175, I'm going up to 200. Oh, now we got bubbles coming. They look cool. <laughs> What's happening with gas? 
The gas, I'm, I'm struggling to get the gas at the right level to simmer. This is the story of my life, Andres. Always like the flame's a little too high, it's a little too low. I can't decide, is it simmering, is it boiling? Mm -hmm. I would call it a tie. It's very hard to get either one of them to simmer without boiling. They're equally maddening. But maybe I'm the problem. I should say, I just took the pan off the induction burner and I'm holding my hand above it and it is warm. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't like smush my hand into it, but it's definitely much less hot than the gas burner. All right, Dan, so we tried the boil test. You know, that's what everyone who cooks on induction says you got to do. You got to see how fast water boils on induction. But now I just want you to try cooking on it like you'd cook on anything else. So let's try by frying an egg. Okay. All right. Preheating the pans. I'm going to go 200 on the induction. I don't know if that's right. It's heating. Oil looks hot. I'm cracking an egg into the pan. That's some pretty good sizzling and sputtering. I'm adding a little salt. It's okay to add salt, right? It's okay to add salt. I want this to taste good. <laughs> All right. I'm going to I'm going to take that off the heat. I think that's done. And listen to this crisp as I cut through. Listen to these crispy edges. Yeah. I got a lot of crisp. I mean, there's yeah, no very question. very crispy. It looks like some really nice crispy eggs. And we already established that the induction heats up faster. What else got from that test is just, again, like the control. Mm-hmm. You know, like you just, oh, it's a little too hot. It's a little bit too cool. Like you just, you make an adjustment and you see the, you see the difference in the pan immediately. Mm-hmm. That's kind of amazing. So what do you think? What are your final thoughts? It was easier to figure it out than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am a very crotchety when it comes to new devices, I will admit. I like it. I will use it again. I'm not sure how often. The stove is always right here. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the idea of in the future, when you need to make a decision like this again, of considering a completely induction stove, no gas? I would be more open to it now, having done this test. The biggest issue, I think, would be the pots and pans. Right. Like, we got all clad pots and pans. Like, I have three pots and three pans that we got when we got married, and I expected to die with them. And if I have to replace those because they don't work on the induction, that's, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Like, so now you, you've eliminated one of the barriers, which would just be like, wah, I don't want to learn something new. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But the, so the, only, the other barrier would just be like, I don't want to have to buy a bunch of new pots. Yeah, that's one of the big barriers in getting people to try induction. Copper, aluminum, glass, they won't work. But a lot of stainless steel and cast iron will work on induction. Anything where you can stick a magnet to the bottom. I say take those beautiful heirloom pots, you fill them up with soil. Maybe you can plant a nice tomato plant in there. <laughs> teach your children, teach your children, Dan, about growing their own food. Because, you know, I'll tell you, when the climate apocalypse comes for us all, because, you know, everyone loved their gas stove too much, like you, Dan, it's going to be a pretty useful skill to grow your own food. Great, Andres. Now I have to learn how to garden. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andres. This was great. Thanks, Dan. If you want to read Rebecca Lieber's reporting on the gas industry and Brady Seal's report from the Rocky Mountain Institute, we've linked to those on our website at sporkful.com. We also have links to the reviews for induction stoves and cooktops that we mentioned in this episode. Make sure you don't miss an episode of The Sporkful in Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. If you listen in Stitcher or Spotify, please favorite. You do it right now while you're listening. Thanks. 
This show is produced by me along with senior producer Emma Morgenstern and producer Andres O'Hara. Our editor is Tracy Samuelson. Our engineer is Jared O'Connell. Music help from Black Label Music. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Nora Ritchie and Colin Anderson. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. And I'm David from Buffalo, New York, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. <laughs>